Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today is Sunday, October 29th, just before Halloween, and I know I haven't uh, been with you in quite a while, haven't produced a new episode since about February. Um, I have uh, been involved heavily in a new business venture, and really it took up so much of my time that uh, I was just not able to continue the podcast. But we're back and plan on staying back. Today I want to talk a little bit about what else, uh, what's going on in the Middle East. And I've already written a piece about this that you can find on my Substack, uh, talking about from one perspective this whole idea of um, whether or not it's anti-Semitic to oppose uh, American aid to Israel. And I want to talk about another aspect of this today, which is the motivation for this disproportionate concern over this one country uh, in the United States, and, and not really uh, with the politicians, but really with the American population. Like, how have we become so fixated on this one country? Now, the, the United States, the D.C. empire, Involves itself in, in the, involves itself in the affairs of dozens and dozens of countries. And I'm, I'm against 100% of that. And, uh, Israel just happens to be one of them. But it's, it's very clear that Americans have a different concern or, um, a heightened concern over the, the fate of Israel. Uh, as opposed to, you know, even Ukraine. I, I guess that's hard to say at this point. The, the baffling concern for Ukraine, uh, probably has rivaled that for Israel. But even some of the people who pushed back on aiding, uh, Ukraine, of course, are falling right in line with we've got to send billions of dollars to Israel. We've got to, so in some cases, people think we have to put boots on the ground if we have to, to defeat, uh, the, uh, the, uh, not the Palestinians, but Hamas, uh, that section of the Palestinians or that, that so-called party, uh, and its terrorist wing. Now, for anyone who's already triggered by anything I've said, uh, and who might, uh, want to say that, no, I, you just don't understand even if you're not uh, from Israel, uh, being, let's say, a Jewish American uh, with maybe relatives there or just a, a special attachment to the country. Well, as I wrote in my article, it's actually uh, titled an anti-Celtic on uh, this subject, um, you know, tongue-in-cheek, uh, referring to Ireland. But as you know, my, my surname is Irish. I happen to be half Lebanese as well. So it's some of the same people that Israel is now fighting against that came into Lebanon in the 20th century and pretty much wrecked that country. So it's, uh, whatever I, you know, I have as much familial, uh, connection to this region as anybody else. I still don't think it's any business of the American government, 
to be putting its taxpayers on the hook and also its citizens in harm's way to some extent from increased terrorism to go get involved in this particular conflict. And that goes for, you know, pontificating about how Israel responds to it. It just really is none of the U.S. government's business. And of course, the money that they send to Israel is is mostly just to buy Israel off and get Israel to do what Washington, D.C. wants it to do. And thus, you have these calls for, for Israel to tone down its response. And of course, I hate to see uh, war and civilians killed on, on either side, um, but, uh, but really, this is no business of Washington, D.C. But why does Washington, D.C. make it its business? Now, one of the long-running kind of uh, theories on this is that the Jewish lobby, APAC, is very powerful in Washington, and they get politicians to do what they want, which would be to support the state of Israel. And while I'm not throwing that theory out the window, um, I really think the numbers do not bear up the whole uh argument that it's American Jews who have anything to do with the support for the state of Israel. Because when you look at the numbers, there's only about 7 million Jewish people living in America, Jewish Americans, people of Jewish religion or heritage. About 3 million of that 7 live in California and New York. So as far as the presidential election goes, they really don't make a difference. There's not enough of them in any one state, especially in the swing states, to make that much of a difference. So what could it be? I mean, why is it that people are so, uh, politicians are so afraid to touch the Israel third rail and come out and say, no, I, we're not going to send any money to them or anybody else. Now, of course, you know, there's very few that think we shouldn't be sending money to anybody else as well. And then, of that subset of people, um, you know, a, a large portion of those who don't want to send money, let's say, to Ukraine or wherever, uh, Africa, uh, Asia, uh, the, most of those people, though, make an exception for Israel. And what I want to say is this has nothing to do with Jewish Americans. This has everything to do with batshit crazy Christian Americans and I want to talk a little bit about what I mean. And I'll start out by just relating an anecdote. <clears throat> Some of you might remember, if you're, if you're part of the old Ron Paul coalition um, from back in 2008 and 2012, I believe it was either in between those elections. No, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it was during the 2012 primaries where Newt Gingrich was... Um, making a push for the Republican nomination that, uh, I saw an episode of Glenn Beck. <laughs> I, I can't remember. I think he was still on Fox. In fact, I'm sure I was. He was because I never watched The Blaze. So he's on Fox and he was actually trying to convince for the moment his audience that they should vote for Ron Paul. And the logic he used was that, uh, Newt Gingrich is a progressive. And I remember people were calling in saying, oh, how can you say this? Ron Paul 
His foreign policy is dangerous, which Glenn Beck dutifully repeated. Yes, I do believe it is dangerous. But then this caller calls in and, and he asks her, and I still remember this, if I can find a link to a clip, I will. It wasn't that important, so it might not be out there. But I do remember um, very vividly him first saying, is Newt Gingrich a progressive? Newt Gingrich a progressive? And the woman on the line says yes. And his next question was, does Newt Gingrich love Israel? <laughs> now, think about that's the number two question from a self-styled conservative um, as to how we're going to qualify candidates. Number one, you can't be a progressive. Good. I'm, I'm all for that. I'm not a conservative, but I, I'm with uh, Glenn Beck on that. Number two, does Newt Gingrich love Israel? Love Israel. That just seems completely wacky to me. And of course, this woman calling in, you know, made no indication that she was Jewish. I'm, I want to say that there was things she said that indicated she was Christian. Glenn Beck is certainly Christian. I can't remember what he is. Is he Mormon? Um, but the, the, the whole, uh, gist of this is, is that you have to have this undying support, not for Jewish people in general, or that they're not discriminated against, they're not harassed or anything. No, that you have to support this foreign state called Israel in order to even be considered among Glenn Beck's followers for the nominate, the Republican nomination. And again, where I think this is coming from is not because we need the votes of Jews. There's not enough of them. Where it's coming from is that we need the votes of tens of millions of batshit crazy Americans who identify as evangelical Christians who believe a bunch of nutty things. The number one thing they believe is that the book of Revelations, formerly known as the Apocalypse, from the Greek word apokalupta, uh, which means revelation, um, that, that this book, which is apparently the only book of the New Testament that they've read, it's the only one that they talk about. And I did live in Florida for a time, and I don't mean in a, um, in a highly urban setting, I lived out there with the uh, with the Florida natives in uh, in a semi rural area, and there were a lot of these people around talking about the end times and signs and wonders, and so they believe that the Book of Revelations is a literal description of the events that will happen during these end times, and that's fine. Uh, I don't believe that. I'm more with Thomas Jefferson, who described the, the book of Revelations as the ravings of a maniac, no more worthy nor capable of explanation than the incoherences of our own nightly dreams. Yeah, that's my opinion. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people don't share it. And the people who do believe that this is exactly what's going to happen, the events described, which seem highly symbolic to me, but okay. Um, that's a completely harmless opinion to others, and uh, they're certainly entitled to uh, 
to believe that. And who knows? Maybe they're right. I don't rule out anything anymore. I, after what I saw in 2020, I will never again say I'm absolutely sure of anything. But I give it a low pro- probability that the events in that book describe uh, actual events that will occur in the future. But here's the part where they're not even following the darn book. And, uh, and, and here's the opinion that is harmful to others. They seem to believe that, that the U.S. government has some kind of role in ensuring that those events described in the apocalypse actually occur. So in other words, to, to make, to, to give you the shorthand version, they believe that if the United States government doesn't ensure that the Jews are in charge of Jerusalem, these end time events are not going to occur or they're not going to occur the way the Bible says they will, that book of the Bible. And that's just downright nuts, and it's not what the text says. I mean, the text doesn't say, the text says that these things are going to happen because God wills them to happen. And God isn't going to need help from Raytheon and Lockheed Martin, like if they're they're not there uh, uh, pulling their weight, that somehow or other God's not going to be able to bring about the end of the world. I mean, just think how nutty that idea is, okay? And the reason that's harmful is that these people vote in representatives who uh, also believe this, by the way, and um, and act upon it. They make policy based upon it. They start wars based upon it. And that's really where, where you know, this... This nutty thinking. Now, you can think it all you want, but at some point, your actions have consequences. So when you elect some nut job uh, who believes the same things that you do, and then this person goes and makes geopolitical decisions based on that, um, that, that's really a problem. And it's been a problem for all of this century. Now, to the extent that Perhaps people who are on board with this this way of thinking um, might be among my audience. I doubt they are, but uh, for those that are, I, I could I, I could anticipate the argument that goes something like this. Now, first of all, I mean when when you already believe what I've already gone over, um, what I'm about to say would be a lot less far fetched and. And I hear a lot of conservatives make this argument, which is that if you don't believe in God or if you don't believe in Christianity, I would say no. If you don't believe in God, at least, then there's no basis for the Declaration of Independence and no basis for the American uh, Republic or any of the principles of liberty and uh inalienable rights, etc. So I think I should probably talk a little bit about that. And where I'm going with this is that I think it's not too big a leap for then those people who are on the uh, Apocalypse End Times program to say that if you're an American and believe, you know, all men are created equal and by their creator, blah, blah, blah. 
uh, if you believe that, then you have to go along with us. Then you're then you're signing on to the apocalypse as well and the end times and et cetera, et cetera. So, by the way, I already read the guy who wrote the Declaration of Independence thought it was just batshit crazy stuff. So, um, you know, that that should shoot that argument down immediately. But I think like that whole argument that you have to believe in God or, or you can't believe in inalienable rights is mistaken. And I'll tell you why. It's yes, the Declaration says endowed by their creator. But it also says we hold these truths to be self-evident. This is something I think I wrote about in A Return to Common Sense. It's been so long I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure I went through this. And some nutcase on the uh, internet you know, took me to task for it. But, um, but the idea that, and let's not forget, and anyone who's been a, a follower of mine for a while knows, and if you read my book, Where Do Conservatives and Liberals Come From, you know that the Declaration of Independence is just like the book review version of John Locke's Second Treatise. This is where he, Jefferson got all these ideas, the equality part, and what that really means doesn't mean that everybody's 100% equal. Uh, it only means that no one is uh, born with a right to rule anybody else. That's the extent of the equality that Locke talks about and that Jefferson refers to in the Declaration. And he also gets the self-evident from John Locke, often called the first empiricist. That's debatable, but um, John Locke was an empiricist and also said in his treatise that he didn't talk about rights the way the founders did. And I did something on that that I think the founders did not do us a service by taking John Locke's very neat and clean idea of property, which includes life, liberty, and possessions, and then turning it into all these um, discrete rights, because now we've got people with right to health care, right to education, whatever. That, that all springs from the fact that they broke up the neat idea that you have a right to what you own, and that's it. I've written about that elsewhere. Anyway, the self-evident part means you can observe that these things are true, no matter what you believe, whether you believe in God or not. So let's just say that Jefferson believed and Locke believed that these things came from God, but they could have been mistaken about where they came from, yet these things could are still self-evident. In other words, you can observe them and say, yes, I can verify this is true using my senses and my reason. I hope, I hope this is clear. So it's an important point, I think, because I think it's a bad argument to say you have to believe in God or you have to be a Christian to believe in American principles. Because then you're just opening yourself up to the argument of someone says, well, I don't believe in that. So those things aren't true either. End of discussion. And by the way, my vote counts as much as yours. So the more compelling argument is that these things are self-evident, that one can observe them, an atheist, a Hindu, uh, a Muslim, a Christian, a Jew, anybody, a Buddhist, I don't know who I've left out, 
Pasik, lots of them. Anybody, no matter what they believe, these things should be self-evident to them, and if they use their reason, they will arrive at the same conclusions. And uh, that really is the American principle. And then Jefferson wrote about this, and you know, a lot of people might say, "Well, Jefferson was a little nutty on some things. He he didn't believe that Jesus was divine." Like, there's another thing. Okay, well, he wrote the Declaration of Independence, and uh, he didn't believe Jesus was divine. So, um, you know, this whole argument that you know you have to buy, you have to even believe in God or be Christian to believe in American principles is wrong. And then, of course. For anyone tagging on the apocalypse, which not even all Christians think are, is, is literally true. Um, uh, in fact, that quote from Jefferson comes from one of his pen pals. You know how he spent all this time, uh, writing to, uh, other people. And this gentleman, uh, had sent him four pages of analysis on the apocalypse. That's, that's what he was responding to in the letter. Let's see. The letter was, to Alexander Smith. This is late in Jefferson's life, uh, in January of 1825. And he basically goes on to say, look, I haven't read this thing in 60 years. Uh, I thought it was nutty then. I haven't changed my opinion. And really, you're too intelligent to waste your time analyzing it. So, I mean, not exactly a uh, warm and fuzzy letter from, from old Tom. At the end, he says, hey, I hope you don't mind. You know, we're friends. I'm just telling you the truth. So, um, I mean, this is a real problem. Um, and even if you, you certainly can be somebody who believes in American principles and be the most devout Christian, the most fundamentalist Christian, think that every word in the Bible is literally true right down to Jesus setting that bush on fire because it didn't, you know, yield any fruit. He could believe all that and still be still believe in American principles, but you can't insist that policy be made on those beliefs, or we're going to have, you know, World War III. Um, and let's not forget that the people fighting over this strip in, of land uh, on the uh, eastern coast of the Mediterranean both believe that God said that they should have it, okay? Um, from a, from a, you can't base, you can't resolve a conflict like that with a religious explanation, or both sides are just going to say, I don't believe your religious beliefs, I believe mine, I win, or you know, let's fight. So, and again, I'm bringing this home to America. What they do over there is really none of my business. I can hope, all I hope for is that there isn't a war. Because in a war, civilians die on both sides. And don't tell yourself the fairy tale that either Israel isn't killing civilians or uh, Palestinians aren't killing civilians. Americans don't kill civilians. Americans have killed more civilians in this century than any all the rest of the countries in the world combined. Okay? So in a war, civilians get killed. That's why it's so... That's one reason, and probably the greatest reason, why it's so important to avoid them, unless they're absolutely necessary. 
and none have been necessary in my lifetime. No war the United States fought. Certainly no American has benefited from any of the wars the United States fought during my lifetime. So, you know, not all of them have some wacky religious ideas wrapped up with them, but they all have bad uh, justifications, invalid justifications. Vietnam, I mean, the, the whole Vietnam theory was, oh, if we don't go and keep the communists from taking over, then there's going to be a domino effect in all of Asia, and then the world will become communist. Well, guess what? They didn't keep the communists from taking over, and none of that happened. In fact, communism didn't even last that long in Vietnam. So it was never, none of it. Korea, uh, Vietnam, Serbia, every war. The Iraq, I mean, do I even have to make an, an argument against the Iraq war? And not Afghanistan either, where, you know, terrorists bombed our, our buildings, killed 3,000 Americans, and we went to war with, you know, people who had nothing to do with it. And I guess the last thing I'll say, kind of to circle back to where I started on this whole thing with the, is it the Jews, you know? <laughs> you know, they control Hollywood and they have blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, Jews vote like two to one Democratic, at least in presidential elections. And I believe they vote that way in local elections as well. And as I said, almost half of them are in California and New York, which are always going to be Democrat for the foreseeable future. Um, so they're not making a difference there. Uh, I, I really believe that the big difference and the reason that all these Republicans are so hung up on Israel is because of their evangelical Christian supporters. That's where you really could lose an election. You lose those votes um, from the nut jobs who think that they're going to bring about um, the events described in the Bible, but you know, by sending money to Raytheon, they're the problem. And um, that I don't know what the solution is because it's not like they're going to listen to my podcast and start thinking something else. But if you're looking for a reason for this strange fixation with the state of Israel, I believe that's what it is. So that's the, the last thing I'll say on this subject for the moment. I'll look forward to your comments, and uh, perhaps we'll do more on this. Let's just hope it does not escalate into something with major powers coming in. The United States has already sent its carriers over there. Let's hope that uh, uh, countries that could be hostile to the United States exercise more restraint and uh, this thing uh, stays local and is over quickly. Either way, it's something for the Israelis and the Palestinians to sort out on their own, and any intervention by the United States is only going to make it worse. And, of course, <laughs> you can look at 25 years of U.S. intervention in the Middle East, and that's been true 100% of the time not to mention intervention in other parts of the world. So, again, that's all I have for you, folks. We'll see you very soon again on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. If you haven't already, go to itsthefedstupid.com to download my free ebook, and uh, also have a chance there to 
pick up a paperback copy if you want to support the show. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.